When we improve, our relationships and our relationship choices tend to improve with us. This is the first message in the series, Whose Friend Are You? This message is entitled, Get Grounded. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Welcome to Church of the Redeemer. So glad to have you this weekend and our time together. We're actually starting a brand new series of messages that I'm very excited about sharing with you over the next several weeks entitled, Whose Friend Are You? and How You and I Can Upgrade the Relationships in Our Life. Think about it for a moment. The most important thing in your life, apart from your relationship with God, is the relationship you have with people. Why? Because those people are shaping your life. Now, early on in your life, you don't have much choice. You have to sort of hang around with the people that you're around, your family and the friends you have at school or the people that are perhaps just uh, immediately around your neighborhood. But as we get older, we have the opportunity of becoming far more proactive in the way that we go about developing friendships. And it's extremely important that we learn how to be proactive. We don't just passively let people come into our lives, but instead we have a proactive approach to this. We're actually establishing some filters that allow people in and keep certain people out. And most importantly, the, the key filter for you and I to establish is the filter of ourselves. So I want to talk this weekend about the importance of getting grounded in your own life. How can you get grounded so that you can have the right kind of system System internally that is a filter for the kind of people that you're attracting in your life. So I hope you'll take notes. Make sure you go to our church app. That's my COR. You can get all the notes there as we're going through today's message. I'm going to turn our attention today as we get started to a, a character in the Old Testament who was a man that really attracted the right kind of friends in his life. And this man's name was Daniel. Let me give you a little history on Daniel. Daniel uh, was a young man who lived in Jerusalem. As far as we know, he was certainly from Judea, from the southern kingdom of Israel. And there came a time when Nebuchadnezzar, actually, uh, who was the king of Babylon, came in and actually destroyed Jerusalem and started taking off people into exile from Judea. Daniel was one of the first guys that's taken off by the king Nebuchadnezzar and taken to Babylon. He's ripped from his home in Jerusalem by this king, by this heathen king. He's carted off into exile. He's taken away from his family. He's taken away from his uh, familiar environment that he's lived in all of his life. And he's placed immediately in the service of a ruthless and heathen king. So think about that for a moment. Here's this Daniel, young man. Uh, he goes into exile into a foreign nation. And there he is with, surrounded by all kind of people that do not share the faith that he has in Jehovah God. Let me start by taking you to Daniel chapter 1. We'll look at verses 3 and 5. Let's take a look at the story of Daniel, at least some aspects of that story. I want you to see what this young man was like. Verse 3 says, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. This would have been Daniel. Daniel would have been one of these individuals. Verse 5 says, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They would be trained for three years. After that, they were, in, they were to enter the king's service. So here is Daniel. He's been brought into the service of this Babylonian king. He's Jewish himself, and he's been brought into the service of this Babylonian king, and he has to now navigate this environment. He has to determine what he's going to do and how he's going to handle this situation. What kind of person is Daniel going to be? Because the kind of person he is 
will determine the kind of people that are attracted to him. And part of what you see in Daniel very early on as a young man, you see that Daniel had some filters in his life. And one of the filters that Daniel had that resulted in him having the right friends in his life was that Daniel was extremely grounded in his relationship with God. Take a look at this. Now he's in this environment. He's being placed in this heathen environment. Notice what happens here in verse number 8 of Daniel chapter 1. But Daniel, notice this statement, Daniel resolved not to, here's the key word, defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. So part of what we see in Daniel here is we see that Daniel made the choice of saying, I I don't want to be like the environment that I'm in. I'm choosing to be different. Because the first thing that they wanted to do with Daniel is they wanted to acclimate him to the Babylonian culture. And that started with the diet. That started with the foods that the Babylonians ate. And the Babylonians ate very differently, obviously, than the Jewish nation did. And so uh, Daniel had this relationship with God, and part of his commitment to God involved what he would eat and what he would not eat. So he's being challenged in this. Notice how he responds. He says, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. And so Daniel said, I'm asking you to do something for me. I have a stand. I have some convictions. There's a filter in me about my relationship with God, who I am. And so I'm asking you to test me and let me eat the way that I would normally eat. And, And here's the test. Let's take a look after 10 days and see what I look like how I'm responding to things compared to those around me. And let's find out what happens after this 10 days of testing. Notice the next thing. It says, at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier. That is Daniel, and he had three other friends with him we'll talk about in a moment. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. It goes on to say here, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. So what you see here in the stories, you see that Daniel was grounded in his faith. And because he was grounded in his faith, he was now going to navigate his environment very differently and his friendships would be very different. In fact, Daniel ends up with three very close friends in the story. You perhaps have heard their names before. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so Daniel has attracted men just like him, young men like him. Why? Because he's grounded in his faith. And so it's like a magnet. Who you are as a person is going to attract certain people to you. How grounded you are or how ungrounded you are is going to determine who will be a part of your life. So the best filter for having the right relationships in your life is to get Grounded. That's a key word. Let me write it down here. Get grounded. You've got to have some grounding in your life. What does grounding mean? Grounding means that you're established. You know some things about yourself. You know what you're willing to do and not do. You know some things about how you're going to approach your life that people can't shake you. Someone that's grounded has a stability, a firmness to the convictions of their life. So what I want to do for the next few moments as we start this series of messages out is I want to talk to you about how do you get 
grounded because this is essential. It was essential for Daniel. It's essential for you. You will never have the right people in your life unless you make the choice to have the right grounding in your life. So let me walk you through five things that will help you to get grounded as a person so that you can have the right people in your life. Number one, you need to be clear about your values. That's one thing that we see about Daniel. Daniel was very clear about what he valued. Sadly, and I've had lots of conversations with people over the years and talked to them about values, and it's very sad how many people never stop to think about what their values are, what they really do value. They've never really developed a value system for their lives. And because of that, they sort of get blown about by whatever the influences are around them, whatever the peer pressure might be, or whatever is happening at the office, they get pulled into that, or whatever is happening at school, they get pulled into that because they don't have a value system that they've developed and thought about themselves. As I mentioned, Daniel had values. He was determined and directed in his decisions by his value system. He knew what he would do and what he would not do because he valued certain things. That when the Babylonian king tried to get him to eat food that had been sacrificed to idols and food that went against his training, his religious commitments, his faith commitments, what happened was Daniel said, this is not the value system of my life. I'm not going to submit myself to that. So a value is what you value. It's what's important to you at the core of your being uh, that you will never compromise. It's who you really are. Now, as we think about value systems in life, I want to kind of share with you some of the things that need to be value systems for your life. First of all, you need to have spiritual values. What do you really believe about God? Where are you in your relationship with God? What do you believe about how you have a relationship with God? What do you believe about the Bible? What do you believe about Jesus? As we've just come off a series of messages talking about what we believe about Christ. What do you believe about uh, these kinds of spiritual issues of life? Do you have a spiritual value system that is directing you? The second area of of values that you need to develop are moral values. Now, moral value is, is really based in your spiritual values, but it tells you in your heart and mind what is right and what is wrong. You know clearly this is right and this is wrong, and I want to do what is right. I want to stay away from what is wrong. And even when you do something that is wrong, your morals, your, your conscience reminds you of the fact that you've actually violated or compromised something that you know to be important for your life. And so you and I need a solid set of spiritual values, need a solid set of moral values. And then as you go through life, you also need to develop a solid set of ethical values. Let me tell you what an ethical value is. It's been def- ethics have been defined as, as what you have a right to do versus what is right to do. Sometimes you can have a right to do something, but it's not right to do it. And so really ethical values are how will I in an ethical way navigate the world as I may have rights to do certain things, but just because I have a right to do it doesn't make it right. And so you begin to think about other people in your world. How is this going to impact them? How will my choices affect others? It may be okay for me, but what's going to happen to the other people around me? And so ethical values are important. You also need relational values. What do you value in a relationship? 
See, a lot of people will go into a relationship, they'll go into a dating relationship or go into even a marriage relationship sometimes or a friendship without really thinking about what's really, what do I value in a relationship? And maybe this person doesn't even value what I value. And so because of that, there's a tremendous amount of conflict that occurs. So what do I value spiritually? What do I value morally? What are my moral guidelines? What are my ethical guidelines I'm going to live within? And what are my relationship guidelines and values? And then I would just call the last one here, what I would just, I've sort of put it under the category of just life values. By life values, I'm talking about things like work, work ethic. What do I believe about work? Do I believe it's important to work? Am I a hard worker? Uh, what do I believe about leisure? How should I spend my leisure time? What do I believe about money and what do I believe about possessions and material things? And all these are just life issues that really surface, but they have a lot to do with the kind of friendships you form. And the more grounded you are in your spiritual values, your moral values, your ethical values, your relationship values, and your life values, then the, uh, the less chance there is that you're going to be pulled and tossed about in life and end up with the wrong kind of people around you. You will never attract the right friends, nor will you be a good friend without a clear set of values. What are your values? Have you, have you ever taken time to sit down and write them down? I've done these kind of exercises in my own life. What do I, what I value in these areas? And when you take time to write them down, it provides a tremendous uh, guide post for your life. The second thing today, we're looking at five of these things. The second thing is be certain about your direction. Know your values and then be certain about your direction. If, if I'm in a car and I'm headed, to, and you're in the car with me, and I'm headed to New York and you're headed to Atlanta, then we should be in the same car. Would you agree with me? Because I'm going north, you want, you're wanting to go south, and so because of that, the direction of our lives, I'm wanting to go one way and you're wanting to go another, that's going to create a problem. When two people get into the same car, Although they're going to different places, what happens is there's pain, there's conflict, there's contention. That's just inevitable. And that's what happens with so many friendships and relationships and marriages. People jump in the same car together. And they never talk about where they want to go in life. And so one's going this way and the other's going another way. And so they're going in opposite directions of life. It really does apply to all of our relationships. Listen to what the prophet Amos said about this in Amos chapter 3, verse number 3. Can two walk, what's this next word? Together. Can two walk together unless they are, what's this word here? Agreed. You got to know where you're going. You can't walk together. There are a lot of people, for example, that end up in marriages where they haven't talked about their value system or the direction of their life. And so because of that, one's wanting to follow God. The other has no interest in God. And so they're not agreed. And so they have conflict all of the time. And I will tell you this. If you don't know where you're going with your life, let me encourage you, slow down until you figure out where you're going. Don't start trying to accumulate all these amazing relationships in your life until you kind of know where you're going with your life. And here's the good news, great news for us. If you don't know where you need to go in your life, and by that I'm talking about things like your calling, what is my calling in life? What am I called to do? What does God want me to do with my life? Because I don't want to connect up with someone, especially in a marriage or a very close friendship, that's not going to reinforce my calling or me reinforce the calling of the other person. It goes both ways. 
or your career. What is your career going to be? You don't want to be in a situation where there's conflicting careers that you know that one's going one direction and another's going the other direction. If you're not sure about your calling and you're not sure about your career, just slow down. Don't start getting passengers in your car if you don't know where your car is going. And here's the good news, as I was mentioning it a moment ago. If you don't know, here's what God says to you in James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, notice that. If you don't know where you're going, if you lack wisdom, you should, what should you do? Just make decisions anyway? No. You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And so sometimes in life, maybe this is where you are right now, you just need to slow down a little bit before trying to get these relationships at work in your life, you need to stop. So where, where am I going? What is my calling? What is my career? What is the path God is calling to me to in the future? What are the commitments? Where am I going? And only when you know where you're going are you able to invite people into the car with you and you can have a conversation about are we going in the same direction or not? You don't want to start picking up hitchhikers along the way and then they try to influence you to turn your car around and go in another direction that you shouldn't be going in the first place. So be clear about your direction. Let's go now to the third thing that is so important. Your values, your direction, and then be secure in your identity. This is extremely important. Secure in your identity. One of the things I love about Daniel is he was really secure in his identity. He knew who he was. And so because he knew who he was, he, didn't, he wasn't concerned about the peer pressure. Think about it when he went to Babylon. Here's this Jewish young man going into Babylon. There are a lot of other young men in Babylon, and they're all doing what the king is saying to do. But Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were willing to say, you know what, we're not going to go that route. We're not going to do that. Why? Because they were secure, yes, in their relationship with God, but they were also secure in their identity with him. Here's the problem. Insecure people create insecure, dysfunctional relationships. Let me say that again. If you're insecure, let me tell you what's going to happen. I can predict it for you. If you're really, really insecure, what, what will eventually happen in your relationships is you'll create insecure, dysfunctional relationships. Best relationships are secure relationships. Secure people build secure relationships. And some of the biggest mistakes that we ever make in life, we make because of insecurity or a lack or a loss of our identity. We don't really know who we are. And this is where our faith in Christ becomes so important. When you know who you are in Jesus Christ, when you know who you are in God, how God views you and what God's perspective of you is, how much he loves you and how secure you are in his love and how much you are comfortable in your own skin with who God has made you to be. Not that you don't need to grow. We all do, and we all need to continue to develop in our lives, but there's a security about who we are and our relationship with Him and who God has made us to be. Then we're better equipped to filter friendships out of our... See, some people it's just better not to have as a friend in your life because, again, what happens is they're going to bring their insecurity uh, to attracted to your insecurity and real problems will occur. Here's the thing. You don't need anybody else to validate you. It's great to have people validate you, but by validate, I mean make you feel good about you. When you have a real relationship with God and a strong relationship with Him, 
then you have the opportunity and the, 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 the privilege of letting God love you and validate you as worth something. And so because of that, you're not going to need to have all kind of other people validate you. A lot of times people get into bad relationships simply because they, they get some validation from somebody. And it doesn't matter whether that person is healthy or not. They're just feeling the validation and their insecurity is feeding off of that. I'll tell you something else. Whenever you are more secure in your life, you're not going to you're not going to be attracted to someone who's always needing your validation because that can be a problem as well. Yes, when you're secure, you can validate people, and you and I should validate people. But it's not out of a demand; it's just out of a good, healthy flow of relationship interaction. Let me give you some characteristics. I was thinking about this in terms of our security, our identity. And I was thinking about some characteristics of some people, of people who are insecure. And maybe this will be something you might want to write down or think about. These are not on your notes, but, but it'll help you to kind of look at your own life and look at other people and say, well, I'm not sure that's the kind of person I need as a friend. Let me, let me say something as well. We need to love everybody. Love everybody. We need to love everybody and, and treat everybody kindly and nicely and all those things, but be choosy about your friends. Big difference. The difference between loving everybody and being choosy about, choosy about those that are in your life. But here's an insecure person. An insecure person, as I've just mentioned, they're overly needy. They're just always needing your validation, always needing you to tell them that they're okay. And generally, a needy per, or an insecure person is, is very, can be very defensive in the way that they're, they deal with life, sometimes very jealous in the way that they deal with relationships in life. And they create unrealistic expectations of you. They want you to meet needs that you can never meet in their life. Why? Because they have this big hole inside of them and they're wanting somebody to fill them up and they're expecting you to be the person to do that. Oftentimes, insecure people can be very controlling. Why? Because out of their insecurity, they want to control as much as they can to minimize that feeling of out of control in their life. They struggle to see. They struggle to admit their own failures. That's a part of their defensiveness. They have a hard time acknowledging when they mess up because it makes them feel worse about themselves. Instead of just seeing it as a part of life, it begins to be a, 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 commit, a, a comment on their own, uh, their own uh, security as a person. I've noticed as well that insecure people have a need to put other people down. Why? Because if I can put you down, I feel better about me. And so if I don't feel good about me, I need to put you down so that I can feel better about me. And out of all this, I will tell you that if you're around a person that is always generating tension and contention and strife and all kind of just arguing and uh, those kinds of things, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes at the root of it is a problem with someone's identity, with their sense of security. Now, everybody battles with insecurity at some point in time. I'm not saying that you and I will ever get over uh, uh, this whole issue. I'm not saying that we'll ever be perfect in it. We're human. But the more secure you are in your identity, the more secure you are in who God made you to be and the fact that God loves you and you know who you are in Christ and you're growing and that awareness, you're, you're comfortable in his love. The more secure you are in your identity, the better your relationships, the better your friendships will be. Notice what uh, Jesus said in, in Mark chapter 12. Someone asked Jesus one day, what's the most important commandment of all the commandments? So listen to what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's like A number one. Yes, we get that. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. Love the Lord. Love the Lord. Say it with me. Love the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Key word there, all. All your heart 
and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Notice how many times all is used there. Now, obviously, that's, that's key. That's where it all begins. As I said, we're going to come back to that in just a moment. But he continues here with this next one. The second is this. He was asked the question, what is the most important commandment of all? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor. But notice this statement that we have a tendency to slip past sometimes. Love your neighbor as what? As yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. It's interesting that God said, love your neighbor as yourself. Why would he say that? Because if you don't properly love yourself, you can't love your neighbor well. If you're not secure in you, you're not going to have, you're going to always be looking for someone to give you something. It's only when you're secure in you that you have something to give to somebody else. And so if you don't love you, and I'm not mean, I'm not saying be in love with you. There's a lot of people that are in love. I mean, they can't walk by a mirror without stopping and, and, and just uh, telling themselves how great they are. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. What I'm talking about here is the kind of love that breeds up and produces a tremendous security inside of you. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. So what you and I need in our life is that we need to be absolutely secure. I'm going to show you right now how secure Daniel and his friends were. I'll give you an example of this uh, in, in, in scriptures back in the book of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar, we saw how Daniel and his friends started out with the king, and he just, they ate their own diet, and of course, ended up better than all the others there. And then the, the story continues. You get to chapter 3, and Nebuchadnezzar made a decision that he wanted everybody, everybody to worship him. And so he made this big golden image of himself, and he says, what happens is every time you hear all the musical instruments playing, I want everybody in the kingdom to bow down to the golden idol, Okay. So everybody's doing it, okay? Everybody's doing this thing, bowing down, except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, the, the, these four guys, or these three guys in this particular part of the story. And I want you to see how the Bible uh, describes this situation. Notice the pressure they were under. In chapter 3, verse 6, he was the edict. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So here, here they are. I hope you're getting this picture. These three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're in a culture where everybody's doing it. Everybody's bowing down to the idol. Every time the music plays, everybody bows down. And the edict is, if you don't bow down, this is what's going to happen to you. That's a lot of pressure. Everybody's doing it, and if you don't do it, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to be thrown into a blazing furnace. So it's going to test these guys like they've never been tested before. What are we talking about? Identity. We're talking about security in their identity. So let's see what happens here with these guys, all right? Chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Here's their response. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. So they made a decision that they were not going to bow down. In the midst of all this pressure around them, peer pressure, 
pressure from the, from the king, threatening circumstances of actually ending up in the consequences of being thrown into a blazing furnace. But here are these three guys, they stand up securely in their identity and they say, you know what? If we, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. They go on to say as well that even if God doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow down. So they are committed. They are, I would say, uh, you can see here, they are very secure. Are they not? They're not worried. They're secure in who God is, secure in the fact God's going to take care of them, secure in their identity. Let's see what happens. So eventually, they get thrown into the fiery furnace. It goes on to say, but even if, we, even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Notice now what happens here in the story. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet after they've been thrown into the fire now. They're actually thrown in. And so King Nebuchadnezzar looks down and sees them in the fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. It wasn't a son of the gods. It was Jesus himself there in the fire with them. Here's what I want you to see. Know who you are. These three guys had a clear understanding of who they were and their relationship with God. Didn't matter what the peer pressure was. Didn't matter what the king was saying to them. They had a relationship with God. They trusted in him. And when, it, when, when the situation uh, was escalated and they were thrown into the fire, Jesus was right there with them. He brought them through. Let God's love, let God's values, let God's grace define who you are. Be secure in your identity. Again, why are we talking about these things? Before I give you the fourth thing, listen to me. Why are we talking about these things? You are going to attract what you are. That's the key. You are going to attract what you are. If you're not grounded, I'm telling you, if you're not grounded, if you're not stable, if you're not secure yourself, you're going to attract a lot of unstable people around you and insecure people around you because it starts with you. You're going to attract who you are, and so you've got to get grounded. Here's the fourth thing. Uh, part of being grounded is to learn how to be honest about your weaknesses. You need to be able to own up to the weaknesses in your life. Now, why is this important? This is important because, first of all, you have them. I have them. We all have them. Everybody has weaknesses. And the more that we see and understand our weaknesses, the better equipped we're going to be to deal with them. If I have a, if I have a weakness in my life, what I want to make sure that I do is I'm not attracting people into my life that are going to reinforce my weakness, okay? I don't want to make sure, if I'm weak in a certain area, I need to be careful that I'm not just putting people around me that are reinforcing the very thing that I'm struggling with in life. Your weakness is going to impact every relationship in your life. When you know your weakness, you're better able to know how they're going to affect your relationship choices. And your weaknesses will affect your relationship choices. David, after going through a lot of stuff, the psalmist David, after going through all kind of tough experiences in his own life, he prayed this prayer that you and I should pray. It's a very important prayer to pray. It's found in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. It's about self-awareness. It's about God-awareness, helping us to understand our weaknesses. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test my thoughts. Notice this. Point out anything you find in me that makes you sad. 
I love the way the Living Bible says that. Make sure you sat and lead me along the path of everlasting life. David said, I want you to show me the stuff in my life that makes you sad. I will tell you something. Listen to me. If it makes God sad, it'll ultimately make you sad. If anything makes God sad, anything that makes God sad is going to make you sad. A lot of times people say, well, God just wants to make my life miserable. No, God does not want to make your life miserable. God wants to make your life joyous, okay? And so he, he gives you his commandments not to make you miserable, but he give you, gives you his commandments so that you can have the best life possible. And so that's why we pray things like this. Lord, point out, let me see, help me to understand anything that you find in me. Now, I will tell you, we had the tendency to, to pray, God, I, I see things in somebody else, but let me tell you, the best place you need to see them is in you and me that makes you sad and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Grounded people are honest about their weaknesses. They are continually learning about themselves. Let me wrap up here with my fifth point today. Again, we're talking about being grounded. You need to be committed to your creator. Now, we touched on that earlier in terms of your spiritual values. I touched on it a moment ago when we were talking about the values of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I want to bring this to a specific point today. Your life is a gift from God. Every time you breathe in, every time you breathe in and breathe out, that, that air, that breath, the fact that your body is functioning, that is a gift from God. God is the giver of life. And one day... For all of us, our life will be over. Just remember, you're not going to live forever uh, here on the earth. One day your life will be over. And when your life is over, that day, whatever that day is for you, you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account to God for how you lived your life. You're not going to give an account to your buddies. You're not going to give an account to, to your, your former friends. You're going to give an account to God. When you're standing before him, he's going to say, okay, let's talk about how you did down there. What did you do with your life? Did you have faith in me? Did you live a grounded life? He's going to ask these kind of questions. He's going to review your life with you. Romans tells us this. Romans chapter 14. Listen to it. So then, each of us. How many of us? Each. Nobody gets to bypass this. There's not a single person who says, ah, I don't think I want to. I, yeah, I'm going to kind of opt out of that. No, you don't get to opt out. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. We're going to give an account. This is what we did with our time, our treasure, our talents. This is what we did. And I promise you, when you're standing before God, and when I'm standing before God, the thing that matters more than anything at that point in time is not whether my buddies approved of me or not. I want to know that God approved of me. You know, in certain products, they talk about having a seal of approval because they've gone through certain kind of testing, et cetera. I, I want to come out of that situation when I've given an account of myself to God with a seal of approval. Not worried about what other people thought of me, but really finding that sense of approval from God. And one of the things that you notice about Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, these four guys, Daniel starting in the story in chapter 1 and how Daniel uh, set the stage by who he was to attract the right kind of three other guys around him. So there are now four people that walk through the book of Daniel that are very strong and men of, young men of integrity. When you live a life like 
Daniel did, you get the approval of God. When you live a life like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego did, you get the approval of God. And so I'm going to leave you with one last verse of Scripture as we're starting this series together. And it's a Scripture verse that perhaps you're familiar with, but here's how you need to lead your life. But seek first His kingdom. First. And this is, not, this is a cap okay. Not a little K. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Let me stop there for a moment and ask you, what do you think it means when it says all, all these things? All these things. What are some things? Are relationships a thing in your life? Absolutely. Okay. All these things will be given to you as well. So here's the key to relationships. The key to being grounded is if I seek first His, that's God's kingdom and God's righteousness that is living my life the right way, then all these things, not don't think about things like a car and a house and a clothes and no things, things that matter, relationships, you know, all these things will be given to you as well. Be clear. Be clear about your values. Do you know what your values are? Have you stopped and asked yourself the question, what are my spiritual values? And what are my moral values? And what are my ethical values? And what are my relationship values? And what are my life values? What, what do I really value? And take time to get a piece of paper and, and write them down. And then be certain about your direction. Where are you going in your life? If you don't know where you're going, you'll pick up all kind of people along the way and they'll try to tell you to go here or go there. Get the right people in the car with you. The only way you'll ever get the right people in the car with you is know where you're going in the car. You've got to know where you're driving. So then you pick up the right passengers. Be secure in your identity. Be honest about your weaknesses because they're going to affect how, how you choose people around you. And then most, most importantly, be committed to your creator because when you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness all these things including your relationships will be given to you as well would you bow your heads with me as we pray father we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to start a brand new series of messages talking about relationships Lord, we know that relationships are extremely important to you not only our relationship with you but also our relationships with one another you told us that we're to love you first and love our neighbors as ourselves. So we see that relationships are central, Lord, in your economy and your purposes. So I pray you'll help us today to get grounded, help us to know what it means to be grounded. I pray you'll help us to, to really evaluate our value system and to really take time to understand them and help us to have a clear sense of direction from you for our lives. Father, I pray that you'd help us to, to be secure in our identity in you, that we would know you and know who we are in you. Help us to see things in our lives that are weaknesses that can get us into trouble that we'll be aware of and, and protected from. And Lord, we pray that most importantly, You'd help us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, knowing that all the other things we have need of in life will be added to us for that. We thank you in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. And you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. 
Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.